as I stood there in just those few minutes, realization after realization began to flood my mind. I remember what I was thinking. There are people that are dead inside that building. There are people that are trapped. We're seeing people now waving anything they can wave to, to get attention for help. And then it hit me. There are no ladder trucks in the world that can reach them. Then my mind went to helicopters. But then I looked at the smoke, and I knew that they could never operate in that. And while my mind was literally engulfed in that process at 9.03, to our horror, another flight crashes into the other tower. So now I'm, I'm literally, I don't, I don't know how this was affecting you, but I'm in denial. I am seeing what I'm seeing, and it's like my eyes are saying, yes, this is happening, but my mind is saying, no way. Then we get the news that a plane has crashed into the Pentagon. Then we get the news that all of the airspace in the United States is shut down and that every airplane is told to just land at the nearest airport you can. Well, then we start hearing that they're evacuating the capital because there's still um, uh, planes that they can't account for. And so now they, they turn, do you remember seeing the picture of people just running out of the capital? All these things are happening. And then at 9.59, the first tower collapses. At this point, I remember just sitting down in the chair because I was so nervous I couldn't sit down. And so I was watching all of this. And I remember when that tower collapsed, I just sat down and I bowed my head in disbelief because I realized it's only a matter of time and the other one is going to go down also. I remember how helpless I felt but my mind kept racing with one dominant thought. What in the world is going to happen next? What is going on? Will the White House be destroyed? And then we hear that another flight crashes in Pennsylvania due to passengers fighting back. We don't exactly know what the target was. The 911 Commission believes that it was the Capitol or the White House. And then at 1028, the other tower collapses. And all I can say is, is at that time, for those of us who remember those days, we remember the feeling of helplessness, hopelessness, but we also remember a time that America was awakened and unified like I've never seen it before. Never in my lifetime. Now we're 20 years down the road, and it finds us needing to be awakened again on many levels. And so today, my topic is real simple it's just 911. 911. There is no doubt that we are under attack. I'm not a doomsday preacher. I have a lot of faith. 
I believe in the power of God, and I believe in the power of God through His people. But I'm also not blind. And we are under attack today spiritually. We're under attack emotionally, physically, and financially. We're under attack. The world is under attack. When we think about 911 and we think about what goes into that, 911 always changes the atmosphere. 911 dispels normal. 911 awakes us. We're going down the road and we hear a siren and what do we automatically do if we're a law-abiding citizen and and we have, you know, any sense of care? at all, what do we do? We get out of the way. It doesn't matter where we're going or if we're running late. If we hear a siren, we're, we're looking immediately, rear view mirror, where, where, where is that siren coming from? I've got to get out of the way because there is something that is much more important that, that is happening right now. As we look in the Word of God in the book of Romans, the 13th chapter, the 11th 11th and 12th verses, these are two verses that I consider 911 verses. There are many of them in the Word of God. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. I believe that the 911 call goes to many today that it's time to cast off the works of darkness. John came on the scene, and Jesus came on the scene preaching the very same message. Repentance and the kingdom. Why did they preach that? Because repentance is the first step of casting off the fatal disease of sin. And we know that the wages of sin is death. Just give it time. Sin in our life, if we allow it to work in our life, it's just a matter of time before that sin becomes death. And so the works of darkness must be cast off. Cast off. We don't cut a deal with the works of darkness in our life. We don't learn to cohabitate with the works of darkness in our life. We cast them off. In this particular context, it's clearly listed what it's speaking of, of works of darkness. What I'm going to read right now is not a Pentecostal list. What I'm going to read right now is not about a religion. What I'm reading right now is clearly in the Word of God. This is very important to God. 
cast off the works of darkness. Adultery, cast it off. Murder, I would add, by weapon, hands, or tongue, cast it off. Stealing and lying and covetousness and rioting, drunkenness, excess, strife, and envy. If you look in Romans 13, you will see all of these works of darkness. If you go to 1 Peter 2 and 1, we see an extended list. Wherefore, laying aside or casting off all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, envies, and all evil speaking. In Ephesians 3, in Ephesians 5, verses 3 through 5, it shares even more works of darkness. I would challenge you. You say, give me some hope. I'm going to give you some hope. But, but let's, let's take both sides of this. I would challenge you this week to do a personal study on the works of darkness that we must cast off. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Let these things not once be named among us. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. And so we see today on this weekend, it's time for a 911 in our lives. If any of us are allowing the works of darkness to work in our life, it's time to cast it off. That means throw it away, get it away, discard it, quit dealing, quit just allowing it to set up shop. Don't get used to it being in our lives. We know we fight it. Every one of us that, that are here and we're human, we fight this. This comes against us. It's not the fight. It's not the temptation that is wrong. It's not that. We will fight many of these things, if not all of them. But it's we don't accept it. We refuse to accept it. And then when it does seem to get past our guard zone, then we realize that and we do what? We cast it off. We put immediate distance between us and it. We don't wait for not one more someday. We don't wait for not one more somebody. We don't wait for not one more something. We don't wait for one more fling. We don't wait for one more weekend. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll just do this one more weekend. Just one more weekend, and then we'll get it right. No, it's not one more somebody. It's not one more something. It's not one more fling. It's cast 
it off. Cast it off. Cast it off. But unfortunately, many people try to do that under their own power, and there is absolutely no way to cast it off under our own power. We can only do this through the power of Jesus Christ, through the name of Jesus Christ. It's time for some of us to stop thinking we can handle these things on our own. You can't. Well, I'm just not. Well, I'm, I'm just going to have the will. I'm just going to reach down within, and I'm just going to refuse. Not under your own flesh, you're not, and not under my flesh, I'm not. But I can tell you this, if I can say, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your spirit, I'm talking about when we're under attack. I'm talking about when you feel it in your flesh. We're all human. We know. We know when it's getting closer. We also know at times whenever we're awakened and we realize, whoa, that is right inside my head. That is right inside my circle. It's not time then to think, you know what, a little, t a little while later or no. It's time for us to stand up at that point and proclaim out loud in the name of Jesus Christ. I will not allow this thinking. I will not allow this. I will not cut a deal with the devil. I will not think that this is just the way it has to be. And we cast it off. Unfortunately, there are many people that have been to church for many years that their mentality of their relationship with God is fighting, fighting sin, coming to church and repenting and going back, fighting sin and coming back and repenting. And they literally spend their life in the realm of casting off. That's good. I'm glad that the fight is in you to cast off. But the, the word does not stop with just, you got to cast off. And then it comes at you. Then you got to cast it off. And then it jumps on again. And you have no power. And you got to cast it off. And so literally, we can spend our entire life under attack, cast off. Under attack, cast off. But the, but the other 911 that we need is put on the armor of light. Put on the armor of light. Cast off darkness, but put on the armor of light. You say, well, we have light in this room and, and it doesn't look like armor. We don't understand the kind of armor that we're talking about. Because when we allow the light of Jesus Christ, when we cast off darkness and we put on light, the light of Jesus Christ, then everything changes. I promise you the light of Jesus Christ is armor.
the light of Jesus Christ, when we allow his light to shine in us and not just in us, but through us, then everything in our life changes. And I'm standing here today to this great church and I'm saying it's 911 time. Yes, it's time to cast off darkness, but it's also time to put on the armor of light and make a difference in this world that God has us in. The armor of light. Ephesians 5 and 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk this way. His light is our armor. His light pierces the darkness. His light shows the way. And so when every one of us put on the armor of light, then where we go, there is light. I know that this world is full of darkness, but surely New Life Fellowship is not going to sink to a level in our mind that there's nothing that we can do about it. We must put on light. 1 Peter 2 and 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so I promise us as we realize that we are. I'm not talking about us being arrogant. I'm not talking about us going around as some uh, 2021 group of Pharisees. I'm not, I'm not talking about all that. I'm just talking about us looking at the Word of God, realizing who we are, and start acting like that instead of everything else going on around us. I'm talking to a church that needs to realize that we are a chosen generation. Yes, we are. We are a royal priesthood. Well, we need to look at what priests did and get after it. We are a holy nation. It doesn't matter that the United States right now is not a holy nation as a whole. We are called to be a holy nation. Yes, we are. It is the children of God that are the true nation. We are a peculiar people. And as we show forth his praises in the darkness, then it is into his amazing light, the armor of light that we operate in, and it changes everything. Because the armor of light will guide us, and it will protect us. You say, well, now, now hang on a second. What do you mean protect? There have been people that, that have been in uh, that are apostolic. There are people that have been born again. There are people that that um, loved God and trusted God, and and this disease has taken them out. And I'll, no, we gain protection for the main thing, and that is our soul. Because if we ever get this thing right, we will start weeping at a birth and rejoicing 
at a death. But the reason why we don't weep at birth and rejoice at death is because we're expecting the light to protect in a manner that it may or may not. But when we're looking through an eternal lens, when we're allowing the armor of light to flow through us, then we don't judge everything by our senses. We don't judge everything by what is down here. We don't judge everything by what we see. We don't judge everything by what we feel. I'm talking about an inner light that will allow us to see as he sees. I'm talking about being clothed with with the armor of light to where we're no longer limited to the present and the obvious in our own lives and in the lives of others. Hear me, church, we need this. We need the armor of light, the light of God to flow through us to where we no longer see chapters as books. We need the armor of light to flow through us in a manner that when we see people that we love making decisions that is causing them to add unnecessary and painful chapters to their lives, that we have the armor of light in us that flows through us in a manner that we refuse to believe that's the book of their life that is just a chapter in their life. And when we allow the armor of light to work through us in that manner, then we start seeing as he sees. As we walk in the armor of light, we no longer see the world limited by our natural man. We're no longer bound by the present in our minds regarding us or others. We see us for what we can be, and we see others for what they can be. Can we be a church that can look in the mirror individually? And can we look at others? And can we quit making a decision based on just what we see today? Everybody is in battle. Everybody fights. Everybody has bad days. Everybody may have a season where they may struggle. But if we as a church can continue to be clothed with the armor of light, we will not lock people in to their present situation. We will not allow that to happen. Because through the armor of light, we will see beyond today. We will see tomorrow. We will see what we can be. We will see what others can be. First John 1, 5 through 7. This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say then we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But listen, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And the blood, 
and the blood. And the blood cleanses us from all sin. His blood makes the difference in us being able and having the power to cast off and to put on. I'm speaking today to some people. I don't know what all you're dealing with, but would you quit appraising the blood? There are people that are appraising the blood like you appraise a vehicle or a house. If you need your vehicle appraised, then Mike Reitzel and some other people can do a good job with that. If you need a house appraised, then Scott and Jen and Jeff and Robin and Ashlyn and Ross and maybe others, they know exactly how to do that. But now when we're talking about appraisals, there is no appraisal for the blood. There is no appraisal for the blood. Well, I don't know about this. They've, they've gone too far. Says who? Well, I've, I've gone too far. God can't. Says who? We don't appraise the blood. When he said it is finished, finished it was. There was nothing else needed. No other sacrifice. His sacrifice paid it all. He has provided the means by which we are now empowered to cast off the works of darkness and to put on the armor of light. We must do it. We have to work it out, but he helps us. We can't work it out on our own. We look to the hills from which cometh our help. We look up. It's very interesting. This says, I will look under the hills. Well, you have to get your eyes up to look under the hills. And one reason why there are people that are struggling in a manner that you don't need to struggle. I'm not here to be down on you. I'm here to just share some, some revelation of the scripture. Lift up your head. Lift it up beyond your family members. Lift up your head above any human being and get your head up to the hills because it'll be the hills that will bring your strength and will bring your help. He is the provision, the provision of himself, the lamb slain, the spotless sacrifice, the price he paid is enough. And we need to realize this. And I'm reaching hard for somebody. I wish the Spirit would show me who it was. I'd come to you afterwards and say, this was for you. But so far, the Spirit hasn't pointed anyone out. So right now, I'll just put it to everybody that's listening and even those watching by way of webcast. We need to realize that Jesus is not out to embarrass us. 
Jesus is not out to embarrass us. He's out to redeem us and restore us. Jesus Christ is about redemption and restoration. Let's, why can't we put redemption as one book in and restoration as another book in? Why can't we say that when we're justified by faith, we're born again into the kingdom of God by water and by spirit? That when we enter into this, that on that road of sanctification headed toward glorification, there's going to be a battle on this road. We're going to fight on this road. He started at redeeming us, but I promise you that on the road of sanctification, there will be days because we're in battle that we will need to be restored. But he didn't say, I am saving you. I am justifying you by faith. And now you're on your own. You better not make a mistake. There's a reason why the word talks about when I fall, I shall arise. I may fall seven times. I may, I may fall many times. You mean to tell me that Jesus Christ is going to look at somebody and say, you need to forgive 70 times seven, and then he's not going to do what, what he tells us to do? What kind of a king do you think we're serving? I'm talking about he restores. He redeems, but he also restores. There's people that need to understand because the, that inner fight that happens, the Spirit of God starts moving. We walk into a worship service, and, and, we, and then our sin, we, we start battling our sin. That's the reason why repentance is so important every day, maybe even several times a day. That's, that's why it's that fight. But I'm telling you again, and I repeat, and I'm hurrying, but Jesus is not about embarrassing you. It's very interesting. He knew that that woman at the well that she needed ministered to. Well, you know what? He sent everybody else away. Why? Because Jesus is not about airing people out. That woman that was caught in the act of adultery and thrown at his feet and the mob was tasting blood and Jesus was tasting restoration. We ought to get a taste for redemption and restoration. We got to taste it, church. We've got to taste it. The world needs to be redeemed. And then people who have been redeemed, that have fallen, need to be restored. I love the story. I love the story of Zacchaeus. Love it. Here's this man that is a thief. He's a known thief. People hate his guts because of the thief that he was. He was despised. He was looked down on. He's pretty rich, but still, about the only thing he had going for him was money. But he hears Jesus is coming, and he goes and he gets up in that tree, and Jesus is walking through, and now everybody's listening. Everybody's hearing, and everybody knows the thief in the tree. 
And when Jesus stops and looks up, you know good and well that there were some people who followed Jesus that thought, his day has come. He is getting ready to level Zacchaeus. He is going to tell him off. And what does Jesus do? I'm coming to your house. There had to be all kinds of people that thought, I've served you. I've, I've followed after you. I admire you. I'm not a ripoff. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not ripping everybody else off. Why aren't you coming to my house? Jesus is saying, no, I'm coming to your house. And later it was said of what? Salvation has come to your house. Why? Because Jesus is not about embarrassing you. Jesus is not about airing out what you've done wrong for everybody else to see. There's ways to privately take care of that. Jesus is about redemption and restoration. And if we ever really start walking clothed in the armor of light, we will be also. 911. Cast off the works of darkness. 911. Put on the armor of light. And in closing, 911, take action. I know that we're in very challenging days. So I have a question for 2021. I have a question for those of us who consider this our home church. What are we going to do about it? What are we going to do about the mess that our world is in? Do we think that we can't do anything? Have we become convinced that, that, there's, that there's nothing we can do about this? We were created for this day. You were. I was. We, we didn't show up accidentally. And oh God, we're having to live through all of the many different things going on that if pastor wants to uh, bring anything out in particular, he can do it. I'm not going to do that. I don't have the authority to do that. But we know there's a lot of, of challenging things. We know there's a lot of things that are, that are on our minds. And, and do we do this? Do we not do this? How do we do this? What should we do? We're here. We're God's children. We have God's spirit. We must not act like the unredeemed. Our God is not broke. Our God is not scared. Our God is not fearful. Our God is not wringing His hands. And our God offers us His power. Somebody's got to lead the way in 2021. We can't be like those who have no hope. We can't act like everybody else is acting and reacting to our circumstances. What do we do? We put on the armor of light and we pray. We put on the armor of light 
and we speak faith. We prioritize prayer and the Word. We plead the provision. We plead the blood over our minds. We plead the blood over our families. We plead the blood over our church, over our neighborhood, over our city, over our world. This is what we do in this day. We take an intentional and obvious stand against the spirits of confusion and fear. That's what we do. We speak it. We get up in the morning and we say, in the name of Jesus, the confusion that has taken over this world will not be a part of my mind. We say, in the name of Jesus, the fear that has engulfed this world is not welcome in my mind. We plead the blood over our mind. We plead the blood over our family. We plead the blood over our house. And then if anything gets by that, that, that doesn't exactly please us, then we just continue to put our faith and our confidence in God. And we plead the blood and we plead the blood and we speak faith. And we align our mind to the Spirit, and we allow the Word of God to dwell in us richly, and then whatever happens, happens. Don't lose me now, church. Then whatever happens, happens. Well, but it looks like to everybody else that what's going on in my world, I should have this or I should have that. Well, if there's something you should have done, then correct it. And as soon as you correct it, you can't change yesterday, but you can sure walk today differently, and you can sure walk tomorrow differently. And now, are we ready to put it down where it really is? And what humans think, so what? They're not going to judge you in the end anyway. Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes to the provision. Lift up your eyes to what God has for us. And by his power, cast off the works of darkness. And by his power, clothe yourself with the armor of light. I come today believing beyond a shadow of a doubt that God wants to do a mighty work in the lives of not just a few. And so if you're here today and you are engulfed as we all stand together, and please keep your mind toward the front. If you're here today and and you are battling the works of darkness. You have never given your heart to God. You, you have never repented of your sins. You've, you've never leaned in and done what Jesus' inaugural message was. To come into repentance and then to move into baptism. Not as a it does not make you a member 
of, of new life. When our brother today, when he came up and Pastor Andrew gave him that, that doesn't make, he was not baptized as a, into a, in a membership of this church. No, but he was born of the water, which is part of being born of water and spirit that we would be born into new life. No, the kingdom. The kingdom. There is a kingdom of darkness. There is a kingdom of light. And we must be born into the kingdom of light. And I'm believing that today there are going to be some people that, that's going to say through the, through the power of the cross, through the power of, of his provision, I'm done with these works of darkness. I'm done fighting them the way I have been fighting them. And then I'm also talking to some people, many people. You've been born again. You've been born again. But the armor of, but, but the light, the armor of light, it's pretty dim. And I'm here today to stand and look at all of my brothers and sisters. I'm a part of you. I'm a part of this church family. And I'm here to tell you, you don't need one more Bible study. You don't need one more service. You don't need encouraged by the Harpoles or any other leader of this church. You don't need one more book, no more, not one more article, not one more podcast, not one more conversation, not one more nothing. Nothing. You need to realize that you got power that's got to be activated. And that because He is light... We are called to be agents of light in this world. And so I don't know who you are right now, but the altar is open. If you need to walk to the front and give your heart to God, if you need to make the greatest decision ever to be born again of water and spirit, if you've never been born again of water and spirit, and that's what you're interested in, or you'd like to talk to somebody about that, would you come?